Hello and welcome to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Resnick. This episode is brought to you in part by Independent Pharmacy Alliance. IPA is a trade association and buying group representing 3,700 plus independent pharmacies leveraging buying power to help pharmacies access pharmaceuticals at the best prices. IPA now offers a comprehensive third-party help desk, legislative advocacy, and continuing education free of charge to members. Learn more today at ipagroup.org. In this episode of the IPA podcast, we'll speak with Iman Rock, Deputy Superintendent for Pharmacy Benefits for the State of New York Department of Financial Services. Iman serves as the state's chief PBM regulator and head of the Pharmacy Benefits Bureau which has additional authority to investigate spikes in the cost of prescription drugs. Hi, Iman. Thank you for coming on to the IPA podcast. Really appreciate you having me. No pressure here since you're the very first superintendent of pharmacy benefits for the state of New York. So absolutely no pressure. But it's really exciting that you are heading a first of its kind department in the United States. Can you tell us a little bit more about the department and how it came to be? Yes. Yeah, so the Pharmacy Benefits Bureau sits under the New York State Department of Financial Services, which is the insurance and banking regulator for the state. And basically, this has been a labor of love for me for the last seven years. I've been at the department for seven years. And in all that time, I've been attempting to get legislation on the books, which would allow DFS, Department of Financial Services, to regulate pharmacy benefit managers. We are the health insurance regulator. And so we've seen the impacts of drug costs on health insurance premiums. And from that point, we've been looking to look into the traditionally opaque industry of pharmacy benefit managers. So now only a few years later and many ups and downs in that process, we have really, really great comprehensive legislation that Governor Hochul has signed into law. And that gives us the authority to regulate those PBMs. And we've created the Pharmacy Benefits Bureau here at the department in order to implement that legislation and begin to bring more transparency, as well as to provide pharmacies, consumers, small businesses with a resource at the state level in order to bring their complaints and to hopefully be able to address them. Uh, Iman, we were talking before about your background, and can you speak a little bit about your professional background, type of work you've done for the state of New York? Yeah, so I joined the Department of Financial Services, like I said, seven years ago as an Excelsior Public Service Fellow. There, I concentrated mostly on the regulation of health insurance and then a little bit of insurance generally. My most recent position before Deputy Superintendent was Deputy General Counsel, where I was working on a wide range of special projects for the Office of General Counsel for the department. And in that role, I did a lot with both litigation and legislation. So one of the things that you brought up was one of the main goals of the new bureau is to help consumers with prescription drug prices. So that's something you're going to be looking into. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the issues that the state of New York has with prescription drug pricing? Yes, I think one of the pre before we had our PBM authority, one of the authorities that DFS gained over the course of the years I've been working on this is the ability to investigate significant spikes in the price of prescription drugs. And so if you think about the Pharma Bro Martin Scarelli type example, mm-hmm. and we have the ability to investigate those and, and bring them to a board of experts that under the law is called the Drug Accountability Board. So I was running that unit since 2020 and, and before we got the, the PBM authority. So I think looking at the 
those drug prices, price increases is incredibly important and is worth we're continuing to look at. We don't have authority right now over launch prices. I think that's something that, at least for me, speaking for me, would be an interesting place to continue to look. And there are also just some barriers to states taking certain actions with regard to to drug pricing. I know other states around the country have run into litigation when they've done a little bit more than what the law will allow. So it's an interesting place. It's an important place for the state to be. But I do think it is uh, an area that we're, again, gaining more and more experience in every day. Iman, one of the things that you just mentioned, I'd like to see if you can expand upon it. You were talking about the opaque pharmacy benefit manager industry. And opaque is you know, another word for murky, not enough transparency. What are you looking to do in terms of increasing transparency within this industry to help consumers? Well, one of the first things that we have is the ability to require information to be provided to the department. So already in just the first few months of this law being effective, the the final version of the bill was effective in February of this year. By July, we were already collecting our first annual report from PBMs. Now, I'll be the first to admit it wasn't the largest data collection. It wasn't the most robust. It's not even where we want to be for next year. But what it does signal is is a change that in New York, PBMs will need to report information to the department. The department is going to review it, and we are going to take action based upon what we're seeing come in. In addition, we have within the statute the idea of a verified complaint procedure where a pharmacist can bring a complaint to DFS about the conduct of a PBM, and we can take action on that. So that's something that we're already doing. And we've had a number of complaints come in already based on pre-existing law. And as we continue to promulgate regulations regarding market conduct of pharmacy benefit managers, we're sure that more complaints are going to come in about violations of of those regulations. And that is kind of the main functions that we are, are serving at this point in terms of adding transparency to this field. So the people who are sending in their complaints in regards to PBMs and drug pricing, are they mostly patients, consumers, pharmacies, all of the above? What are you seeing? So I think on drug prices and price increases, so we do our own information gathering on that in addition to receiving complaints, just like on the PBM side, we collect information in addition to receiving complaints. But on the drug price side, I would say that it's mostly consumers. And a lot of what we're doing on that front as well with these complaints is consumer education, because We'll get an uptick in complaints in January when deductibles tend to reset. And what you see is not actually a price increase, but is a change is implemented because of the reset of the deductible. Um, So we do some patient interaction there. On the PBM side, I think there is kind of often a lack of understanding from the consumer patient side of what a PBM is and what the PBM's role is, even if they're getting scripts filled every other week. It's not really until there's a a big breakdown in communication that maybe a patient understands what a PBM is. I think that's one of our roles going forward as the Pharmacy Benefits Bureau is to educate those consumers about the role that PBMs play and then also what the department can do for them. So most of our complaints on the PBM side come from independent pharmacies. 
Iman, a lot of people who listen to this podcast, you know, they may already be familiar with what a pharmacy benefit manager is, but there may be some people who are not. And some people who are tuning in because they are concerned about their prescription drug costs. Could you give the listeners an explanation of what a PBM is and how they play into the drug price that patients pay at the pharmacy counter? From a, a really high level view, a PBM operates in between your health insurance plan and the pharmacy. The idea is that if we go back in time to the kind of the opening stages of the existence of this industry, these were high volume claims and highly specialized claims that needed to be processed by plans as they began to offer prescription drug coverage as part of health insurance regularly. There are a lot of different drugs, obviously, as, as all the, the pharmacists listening will know, but also you know patients will know too, right? There are a number of different a whole range of potential claims that could come in, as opposed to your traditional, maybe primary care doctor has only a certain number of codes uh, within the claims processing arena that they ever put down on a claim. A pharmacy may have an infinitely larger number of different claims, codes, and costs that may be associated with them. So PBMs began as this claims processor, this administrator of pharmacy claims, this specialized niche area of claims. And they began by charging a fee associated with each claim that they were processing. That has morphed over time to an entity which is involved with creating pharmacy networks, with setting the prices of reimbursement that health insurance plans will pay to pharmacies, uh, negotiating rebates with drug manufacturers and placing drugs on particular formulary tiers based upon that. And really, I would say the spectrum of services that are offered by a PBM can really range PBM to PBM, and it can end up touching quite a bit of the supply chain for the delivery of drugs. Over time, that kind of per claim administrative fee morphed into something a bit different where you're seeing what's called spread pricing and the difference between getting paid on a per claim basis and getting paid based upon what little you can charge a pharmacy and how much you can charge a health insurance company. So it is extremely complex. It continues to grow more and more complex year over year. I think one of the major concerns that a number of states across the country, but in particular in New York, we are looking at and what our statute empowers us to look at is the vertical integration that's happening in this. You have a really concentrated PBM market. And I think this is getting a little bit outside of the scope of your question, but I'm just going to put it out there. You have a very highly concentrated PBM market with three major PBMs making up the vast majority of the market share. And each of those PBMs is also integrated with health insurance companies, large national health insurance companies, with retail pharmacy chains, with these entities called rebate aggregators or entities that we probably don't even fully understand what their role is in the process. And so this is definitely something we're going to be looking into, but it is tough to say exactly what a PBM does. It's a whole range of services that they offer, but at the heart, it's that interaction between the health insurance company and the pharmacy that they manage. So one thing I wanted to ask is, are there any particular drugs or classes of drugs that you've already seen are 
problems. We always hear about insulin, that patients are having a hard time affording their insulin medications. I mean, this is a drug that's been around for decades, but for one reason or another, there are many patients who are having trouble affording their insulin medications. And, you know, patients, they don't have an option. If they are diabetics, they don't have an option. They have to take their medication. So are there any particular drug classes, disease states that you're focusing on or that you've seen so far are really problems and issues? Yeah, so I can talk about in terms of the drug price spikes. Um, I would say New York has some really good protections for things like insulin with, with copay maximums and, and things like that. But my role is really outside of the kind of plan design, those kind of specific benefits. And I'm really focused on those kind of two elements of regulating the PBM as a PBM and regulating or investigating significant drug spikes. So in terms of the drug spike side of things, we did launch an investigation of six different drugs, which were all connected to COVID-19. Um, and so we saw some spikes there that were sufficiently large that we were investigating them. Other than that, I don't think I can point to a, anything that is currently public knowledge. You know, our investigations are rather confidential until they get to the Drug Accountability Board. And so I don't really have anything more to say on that. Sure. Another question I wanted to ask you, I saw that the Pharmacy Benefits Bureau is asking the public for comments relating to the practice of patient steering by pharmacy benefit managers. And uh, patient steering is a practice that may be employed by pharmacy benefit managers to steer patients to their wholly owned and affiliated retail pharmacies, mail order, specialty pharmacies. Could you tell me a little bit more about patient steering and why you felt like you needed to get comments on it? What were the complaints that came in that caused the Bureau to decide, you know, we really need to take a deeper dive into this issue? Yeah, I would say this isn't something that's particularly new that we're hearing about. As I said, I've been working on getting authority to regulate PBMs for the department for at least six years in terms of like publicly out there with legislation. And so we've heard all along, we've talked to all sorts of groups and interested parties and, and pharmacies in particular, independent pharmacies have consistently said that their patients who they've cultivated sometimes generational long relationships with are getting letters from this PBM or that PBM that says or, or purport to say that they now have to go to the mail order pharmacy in order to get their particular drug or that they can no longer use or that, that the particular pharmacy is no longer going to be part of the network, even when the independent pharmacy believes that they are. So this is something that's been on our agenda for quite a while. We haven't had the authority to really look broadly at the practices of patient steering because they've been done by the PBMs and not the health insurers. And the PBMs, again, we just got authority over. So one of the first things that we wanted to do was put out something about a known issue. And so, yeah, that's, I would say that the major focus for us is to collect information, to then analyze that information and use a scalpel approach so that one of the other things that we've heard from independent pharmacies, from advocates, et cetera, is that if you put a hard line in the sand, the PBM will come up with a team of 20 highly paid lawyers and find a way to walk around the line rather than be confronted with it. So our goal at the department is to use a more scalpel approach to really have very specific rules, be able to adapt a little bit quicker than you can with 
say, legislation with the regulatory and sub-regulatory guidance and really address those. So yeah, patient steering is only, I would say, the first of many sorts of requests for comments that we're going to get out there. You can go to our website and see that we have some additional ones up right now regarding credentialing, for example. It's another issue that over the last at least couple of years, kind of arbitrary standards for credentialing or re-credentialing of pharmacies has been something we've heard a lot about. And so we want to get information on that as well. So Iman, independent pharmacies, they've waited decades for both action on state and the federal level. I could tell you from a firsthand basis that the independent pharmacies in New York are extremely excited about the Pharmacy Benefits Bureau in terms of evening the playing field between the small independents, patients, and these very large integrated companies you were discussing in terms of PBMs. One thing that I found interesting that you were discussing was that you're looking into the vertical integration and of PBMs. And what vertical integration is, large companies buying out other large companies, thereby possibly reducing competition in a space. And the Federal Trade Commission is currently looking into that very thing. So could I ask you, is there... Do you have any discussions with the Federal Trade Commission about vertical integration? Are you having any discussions with them? Or is this just kind of coincidentally happening on the state level and the federal level? Yeah, so vertical integration is specifically laid out as something that we're going to look at within the statute. So I think that's been an element of our discussion over the last couple of years is, like you say, you have these large companies who are able to purchase or become affiliated with companies in the, the whole supply chain, essentially. So if you think about the supply chain of drugs, you may not be thinking about a bunch of little aspects of the chain of the dollars rather than the chain of the, the physical drug itself, such as these rebates we were talking about, the existence of something like a rebate aggregator who is aggregating all these rebates. You don't think of that really as a separate entity, but it exists. When you're dealing with a PBM, it's really interesting to have to deal with a PBM as a pharmacy when that PBM also owns a chain of pharmacies or to deal with a PBM when you want to offer mail service for your pharmacy, but they own a mail order pharmacy themselves. So it's something that we're specifically empowered to look at within the statute and therefore something that we're really interested in. In terms of the FTC's action in the space, I think you probably see a convergence of state and federal actions in this space, mainly because it's become so obviously a problem. But do we speak to the FTC and other federal partners and other state partners around the country? Absolutely. I think being consistent across the board helps everyone, provides for the fairest regulations, the, the most appropriate regulatory environment. But each agency, whether it's state and federal have slightly different authority, and we plan on using our authority to the fullest extent that we've been granted, which I think is, like you said, a first-in-the-nation approach. So just on a personal level, we were talking about how the Pharmacy Benefits Bureau is kind of a first of its kind in the United States, and you're heading it up, and a lot of people are really excited about it because it's been decades, and you know people have been waiting for real action in the pharmacy benefit manager space. Tell us a little bit about how you feel about it. What are your some of your personal goals in regards to the work that you're doing? I think for me, creating an expert staff within the department, within the Bureau, that is going to help us to not only accomplish 
the short-term goals. We've already accomplished registering all PBMs operating in the state. We've already collected that first annual report. But creating an expert staff, putting in place that expert staff from the ground up who can put in place operational manuals, rules and regulations, procedures, so that you don't have anything kind of flame out with the passing of the legislation and you have a consistent, into the future, consistent regulation of the PBM industry. I think that's the most exciting kind of legacy building that we can do here in the department is to put us on a strong foundation for regulating into the future. The other things that I'm really interested in focusing on are regulating in a way that we can ensure that we get it right. I think asking those questions of the people who are involved in the industry, such as like we were discussing with patient steering requests for comments, if we can get the comments from both the pharmacies, the PBMs, maybe the businesses, and even the consumers who have received these letters, and then regulate from an educated place, that's going to just do so much more for making sure that we close any regulatory gaps, but also address the actual problems. Because if I don't speak to pharmacists, I'm not going to understand how the problem is affecting them. I can hear what the problem is generally, but if I don't understand the on the ground aspects of how that is impacting them, I can't regulate appropriately. At the same time, if I don't understand what the PBM is attempting to accomplish, there may be net positive aspects of a particular approach that I want to make sure that I can guard around. So if if a PBM practice can be justified and there are aspects of it that are harmful or maybe not even harmful, but just unpleasant for pharmacies to deal with, I'm going to try as the regulator to build the bridge and say, we can't do these things that are harmful to the pharmacies, but at the same time, you can do these things which preserve, you know, from a PBM perspective, the benefit that you're stating that they have. One last question I wanted to ask Iman was, have you gotten any inquiries from other states that are interested in setting up pharmacy benefit bureaus in their state? Is there any discussions that you've had with any other stakeholders from other states interested in what you're doing? Yeah, so I think there are a number of states that have some level of authority over PBMs. We have done as broad outreach as possible. I think we've reached out to, I would say, every state that has something on the books. A lot of the reality of those authorities is it's not as comprehensive as we have in New York. It doesn't have the funding mechanism that we have in New York with the assessment that is contained in our statute. And so the staffing allocation in those states is lower than what we're hoping to have here in New York. And so I think for a lot of other states, they're interested in sharing the kind of pros and cons and lessons that we learn as we ramp up and seeing if there's a way to use our experience in New York in order to build their yeah, to build their own similar apparatus in their states. But we have great relationships with our partner states and continue to have conversations with them about these issues. Iman, thank you for joining me today. I enjoyed our conversation. I really appreciate the explanation of what the Pharmacy Benefits Bureau is all about. And I can tell you that every independent pharmacist out there is saying good luck. Everybody wants you to succeed. So we really wish you good luck in everything you're doing.
Yeah, really appreciate that. I've appreciated all of the independent pharmacists who've raised issues to me and who will continue to raise issues to me. And I, I hope you'll have me back when we have some more rulemaking activity and we can talk about how we're advancing and moving the ball down the field. Absolutely. I would love to have you back. For more information, how to learn more about the Pharmacy Benefits Bureau, go to dfs.ny.gov forward slash PBM. Any person may file a verified complaint about a PBM with the department by email at pbm at dfs.ny.gov. Thanks for listening to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. This podcast was made possible by the Independent Pharmacy Alliance and the President and CEO, John Giampolo. It was produced and edited by Zach Stone with music by Marcus Way. For previous and future episodes, check out ipagroup.org. Thank you very much. Bye for now.